for 13 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Protecting you, informing you, and educating you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Rosie on the house. It's the nine o'clock hour. Where we reach out to all you Arizona homeowners and invite you to give us a call. If you've got a question about something you're trying to get done around your house, home, castle, or cabin, Give us a ring and let us put our building and remodeling experience to work for you. See if we can't help you get that project done a little bit simpler, a little bit better. Call the toll-free number, one 767 And my wife, Sweet Jennifer, will pick the phone up, get your name, where you're calling from, what it is you'd like to get done, and we'll get you on air and see what we can't do to help you out. By way of follow-up from the last couple of shows, you know, uh, I can't tell you the number of comments we've received either by phone or by text or by email. We even have one here by letter that came about our July 4th show, which focused primarily on the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Here's a letter we got that I'd like to share with our listeners. It's from Gail. And she says, you know, I heard your GCU, uh, Grand Canyon University history professor, uh, and I just want to share something with you. I attended Alhambra High, which is across the street. She didn't say when she attended, but she did say the palm trees you see now, when I was in high school, they were only two foot tall. So it's so it's been a little while. But she says her dad was a builder and designer here in town, bought the original farmhouse at 27th Avenue in Coulter. And he worked for John F. Long and Dell Webb as a designer and builder for uh, Sun City West. And she says, Rosie, I remember my dad calling your show in the 90s from a home we were remodeling up in Payson. Um, He would be 100 this year if he were still alive. She says, thank you for creating memories for Arizona families. So, Miss Gail, thank you so much for these kind letters. It kind of goes along with why we get up and why we do this. We talk about your favorite things, yourself, your house, and your home. Let me talk to y'all a little bit. We're going to talk about how to deal with door-to-door salespeople. Uh, And we're actually going to have a special guest join us in a little bit, uh, second half hour, uh, the director of the Register of Contractors, Mr. Jeff Fleetham. And we're going to share a little bit about things you need to be aware of uh, when you're talking to door-to-door solicitors. But before we get into that, let me just... Let me just talk a little bit about uh, what we're seeing in the remodeling world. If you're contemplating a kitchen remodel, uh, and a lot of people are, uh, it's apparently uh, a trend that most homeowners right now are going to spend uh, a, a bit more money. They're going to splurge in two particular areas. They've been splurging on cabinets for a while, so that's not a trend. Uh, what we've, what we have available to us in cabinet accessories and features, have uh, 
kind of driven the price of cabinets up quite a bit. But right now, a lot of people, homeowners, are spending more and more money on countertops and appliances. And when it comes to countertops, we're, I can't remember the last tile countertop we installed. It's virtually all gone solid surface. And when I talk about solid surface, it had uh, what, what started as a solid surface was true natural stone, marble or granite slabs. And then somebody got the idea of, well, let's take this natural product, crumble it up into little bitty pieces, and glue it all back together with epoxy polymers so it's impervious to stains but still looks like a natural stone product. We call those engineered quartz or engineered granite slabs. And I will tell you, that probably represents 80 to 90% of the countertops we're installing today. A lot of times we'll do the solid slab on the perimeter work surface areas, surface areas. A lot of times we'll run that up the backsplash all the way up to the upper cabinet. Sometimes we'll do a contrasting tile back there on the backsplash. And then on the island, we're seeing a lot of people go to alternate contrasting materials. And it seems to me that Butcher Block is kind of making a little bit of a comeback. And I tell you what, I've lived with Butcher Block all my adult life. I love Butcher Block countertops. They're very healthy, very easy to keep clean, uh, very easy to keep looking new uh, with just a little bit of sandpaper. Uh, I love Butcher Block countertops. I'll tell you what I am seeing in these countertop islands is the islands are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, even to the point where they'll have us take out load-bearing walls and get this kitchen all the way out, open into the family room, and where that wall was is going to be the start of the countertop for the island. So the islands are getting bigger. We're seeing a lot of the engineered stone. You'll love it if you've never lived with it in the, in the past. It's so maintenance-free. It's so impervious to stains. It's so easy to keep clean. Um, you're gonna, you'll, you'll love it. You're also going to pay for it. It's, it's, there, are, there are steps and stages and grades of it. So when you're there selecting, Ask to see the different levels so you can get your investment in to that comfort level. We tell people when you're remodeling a kitchen, there's three ways that we try to look at establishing a budget for you. Uh, we take we go to the county assessors page, and one day I'm going to have a show just on the information you can get about your own house from the county assessor's website. It's it's a lot of information. But what's the assessed value of the home? In my experience, over the last 48 years, most people, and, and we did this retroactively, 
most people will spend on a complete kitchen remodel where you're doing new flooring, new cabinets, new appliances, new plumbing fixtures, new lighting, probably some changes in the in the ceiling, getting rid of soffits, raising them up, uh, modifying the, uh, the ventilation and the air conditioning. You're going to spend about 20% of the assessed value of your home. That's right. About 20%. Could go as high as 30%. The other way we tell people to put a budget together for their kitchen is measure your kitchen and figure it's going to cost you about $600 a square foot. The third way we set up parameters is we just put our eye of experience on the project and we have you describe to us where you want the kitchen to grow what you want it to look like how you want to live in it and we from our experience come up with a number for the cabinets i think you're going to spend about x for the cabinet package once we're done designing whatever you spend on the cabinets the total kitchen is going to run anywhere between four times to six times the price of the cabinets. So if you're spending $20,000 on the cabinets to have the entire kitchen done, you need to be somewhere between eighty dollars and $120,000 for the entire kitchen. And people think I'm nuts. You're crazy. Well, go shop for appliances. And uh, you, 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 we used to could appliance an entire kitchen for $3,200. You can't even buy a refrigerator for $3,200 right now. So those are, in. if kitchen remodeling is on your wish list, those are just a few guiding principles of what we've seen at Rosie Wright Remodeling for the last... 40 plus years. Those are all statistics that we've found to be very reliably predictable on what you're going to end up spending to get it done. And there's some information for you on countertops uh, as, as, as far as trends go. And yes, white and gray and black still seem to be the predominant colors. But boy, sooner or later, that's got to change. In my heart, in my mind, we've run the white, black, and gray trend to death. I'm done. I'm ready to go back to color. <laughs> now, with these super expensive appliances, uh, are you getting more than we used to get out of them? <laughs> you get a lot more features. Um I, I couldn't tell you that you're getting a longer-lasting product. That's what I really kind of <laughs> hint now. Like I, 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 I want to I think we are, uh, but we're getting a lot of additional features. And we've greatly enhanced efficiencies, for sure. And I haven't shopped it well enough to know, but I saw this demo, had to be 10 years ago, where... You would scan your item as you put it into the refrigerator, mm -hmm. and it would keep track of like, how long it's expected to last. But you could also then program in some of your favorite recipes. So when you got home, you could ask your refrigerator, what do I have inside that 
could that would match against my favorite recipes that I could make tonight. I and I saw the demo. I haven't seen one in, in operation or if they've ever got it all launched. I think, and I saw the demonstration, and I think what they found out, Romy, is it took so much time and effort to keep the refrigerator properly educated as to what's in there and what's no out there. No one took the time to it, do it. Oh, it, it just became a, it became a monster task. It really did. So, uh, and, then, and then you've got the uh, steam ovens and the microwave ovens that just read the skew on your product, and it automatically sets itself to what time and what uh, power level. And you just scan it, set it in there, and the oven already knows what to do. So, so we have increased my, features. That's for sure. I, said, I, don't, I don't know. My food doesn't come with a scan code when I'm cooking. We're not. <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not winning any popularity contests with the um, estimates for remodeling we're giving right now. Uh, things are expensive, uh, and you have to be willing. We tell people all the time now: when you go and you pick something that you want, pick selection A, selection B, and selection C. Because there's a very good chance your A is not going to be available or not available for a long time. Not available to fit the schedule we're trying to put together for your home. on the house can you find a way let me let me let me fill y'all in on something I just discovered this week there is a service that will pay you two thousand dollars and you don't have to do one thing you don't have to do one thing it's a pest control company they're going to pay you $2,000, and you don't even have to lift a finger. But you have to let them release 100 cockroaches into your house. Oh, good. Uh, would you do that for $2,000? <laughs> That's no. a big ooh factor. Uh -huh. ooh. No. They will pay you $2,000 to allow them to release 100 cockroaches into your house. And then they, they, they are going to try different types of remedial services. And they're going to film it and document it. And they need, they need homes throughout across the country to see if, this new, if, the, if some of their new technologies or uh, applications, tactics, or strategies can work. So you do That's, know what cockroaches are good at. Breeding. So you're going to have more than 100. Good unless point. they, unless they really point. got it figured out. Did and you did you know the Bronx Zoo lets you name a roach after your sweetheart on Valentine's Day? <laughs> Every Valentine's Day you can pick a roach and name your name for that your. That sounds like that goes either way. <laughs> mm. Ooh, that's that's twenty dollars a cockroach. I tell you, that ain't enough. <laughs> uh, Amanda wouldn't go for that. You don't think? I, I, well, here's a question: Do you have to be living in the house? Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was a particularly creative and bold move by them to say, okay, well, if we can find. And they posted this overnight thinking they'd get a handful of responses. They got thousands of responses. <laughs> yes, responses? Yes. Hmm. People said, absolutely. You can you can drop 100 cockroaches in my house for 2000 bucks." Well, we had a granddaughter who thought it was a great idea because she's all about the money, but <laughs> Mama wasn't so keen on it. Oh, Suddenly, P.T. Barnum just hit in my head. <laughs> His old saying, there's a sucker born every yeah, minute. Yeah, every minute. Every <laughs> but for two grand... Bring them in. Okay. What do you get if they don't eradicate your cockroaches? But it doesn't go into that. Okay. I think I'd ask more details. <laughs> if you, if you're the test guinea pig, yeah. what happens if the yeah. test doesn't work? Yeah. It and is a test. Of, it is a test. What kind of chemicals are they using? I wouldn't, you mm. know, I'd be more worried about that. Than, good point. Very good point. Than the cockroaches. And you end up growing a cockroach antenna out of your head or something. They're <laughs> 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 growing a sixth finger or something. <laughs> Hey, you paid us to do it. <laughs> oh. All right. At Rosie on the oh, House. We paid you to do it. Yeah, right. At Rosie on the House, we try and address the issues that are concerning you about your house, home, castle, or cabin. One of the things that we're seeing a huge increase in right now, or a significant increase right now, is service providers that are soliciting work door to door. And um, it's been our philosophy and it's been our guidance to you and our, our, our advice to you that if, if you haven't invited someone to your house, um, there's there, you have no obligation to open the door or visit with them. Let them know your home um, because, uh, because you want them to know someone is home. Don't let them suspect that it's an empty house. But you have, you're under no obligation to open that door. The problem is we've got a lot of you from the Midwest and you just think it's, you know, just being a good member of a polite member of the community to open the door and visit with them and ask them how the kids are. And look, if you haven't invited someone to your house, and the same goes true for a phone call. If you haven't invited the phone call to talk to someone about service provision, you're under no obligation to continue that conversation. So, We've got a guest coming in in the next segment that's going to talk about what he has seen in his role as the director of the Register of Contractors uh, as to service providers' performance uh, and behavior. Uh, update from the Register of Contractors right here at Roselle in the House. You can feel free to join us at one 767 4348 guitar music. I love listening to this music. Running down some dirt road in Pinal County in my Ford Raptor. My Sanderson Ford. Ford Raptor. Someone sent me a head up, heads up today. Uh, Rosie, Ford's uh, unveiling here soon a reintroduction of the V8 Raptor. They're going to call it the Raptor R. They're talking like north of 700 horsepower. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, baby, baby. Ooh, you know what? 
Uh, we may just have to take a look at that. And yours is pretty powerful. What Any idea what the horsepower it has? I think the one I'm running right now is a little bit north of 500 horsepower. Oh, and we can always tell when you're coming. We're here about 100 <laughs> yards before you turn in. Oh, boy. Um, everyone's going to be really glad when I get the delivery of that Mach-E. I'm going to be able to sneak in and sneak <laughs> out. Nobody will ever know I'm coming. If you're in the mood for shopping a vehicle, get over to Sanderson Ford in Glendale. The Romero's uh, myself, uh, I originally found the dealership because I lived across the street from them. Uh, I've, I've sent my mother, uh, five sisters, two brothers, uh, my in-laws, and my all my employees are all Sanderson Ford. You only have to go there and buy one car, and then you're a Sanderson Ford fan for life. And you don't even have to go there. The website will let you get a car delivered to your driveway. Check them out, SandersonFord.com. You buy your one Sanderson Ford, you'll never buy anywhere else. And we've got a special guest in studio with us this morning. We've got uh, the director of the Register of Contractors, Mr. Jeff Fleetham. Good morning, sir. Welcome good, back. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, always a pleasure. Always, always a joy to be here with you guys. So, What's going on in your world? I, my life's pretty good. So, kind of, it's kind of busy out there in the contracting world right now. It is. How does that impact you Well, um, and the well, department, <laughs> the agents? So I've, I've got... I've got staff that's just off the charts, so some may say it doesn't affect me at all. Okay. But, uh, but uh, seriously, what we're issuing uh, licenses at a rate greater than ever before, and uh, a lot of that has to do with the business that's happened here in the state. Um, and even even though there's uh, you know labor pinches and material pinches and things like that, it is. Uh, we had a couple months where we issued 500, 600 licenses, and normally wow. we're in the range of 250 to 300. Now, um, answer this for me. When, with all this import of new, um, uh, new people migrating in, right. and maybe they're an electrician from Palo Alto or wherever, and they land here, what do they have to do? Do you reciprocate licensing laws with any other states? What do I have to do as a new immigrant to Arizona yeah. that I, I want to open a business? Right. So Contracting if business. you're a licensed contractor in another state and you decide you want to come to Arizona, uh, we encourage you that you call our license department. If you have a license that is comparable you know, it might not be called uh, a general contractor's license in your in your state. Right. It might be called something else. But if it's comparable, then um, and and you're not you're not in trouble there. You don't have any things like that. You're not running from right. something. <laughs> what you do is you uh, you take a statute and rules uh, CBT. It's just something to get you up on CBT. You pay your fees and you become a licensed contractor. Okay. It's not reciprocity. It's called universal recognition. Uh, that's some legislation that was passed a while back. The governor supported it. We were the registrar was kind of doing that uh, anyway, um, and. Uh, uh, because if, if you're if you're a qualified electrician uh, in uh, in New Mexico, when you cross uh, when you cross there on <laughs> I forty, you don't become you don't unqualified. Yeah, you forget what an ohm is. Well, That's automatically. Well, how about how about that that uh, okay? So we've talked about that licensed guy out of Palo Alto that's coming here. How about a journeyman uh, from Albuquerque right. that says, you know what? 
I'm going to go to Phoenix. I'm going to start an electrical company. Great. What, how, how did, what's his obligation? Okay. So, um, of course, in New Mexico, you know they license individuals and not necessarily companies there. So they would come here. Uh, they would call our licensing department, uh, de- determine whether they wanted a residential electrical license, a commercial residential license, or the combo. They can get a combo. Uh, uh, scheduled testing get their tests taken, uh, their statutes taken. There could be, depending on what their background is, there could be a waiver on experience, those type of things. Um, and they're Generally speaking, y'all ask for what level of experience? Just generally it, it depend, speaking. Well, depending on what the license is, electrical okay. is like four years, something like that. It used to be, uh, for instance, uh, you know, Romy worked for you for years uh, before he was... Uh, of age and before he was a majority, yeah. <laughs> before he's a majority, and when you then before you really had to start paying him what yes. he was worth. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But it used to be that that experience didn't count. You know, like if you worked for your your parents, your whole life, it didn't count. And uh, <laughs> uh, but but a lot of that stuff counts because it makes sense, right? You know, if if uh, and so we look at a lot of those kind okay. of things. So, um, so is, record uh, numbers uh, of licenses yes, being issued. Right. And here's what's interesting. Complaint levels aren't up uh, significantly. They're, they're kind of trending. They trend with business. Okay, yeah, when Business sure, goes sure. up. You know, there's complaints, whether they're valid or not. It doesn't, you know, some, we, get a, we get complaints that are not valid, right? Or we get somebody that has 10 items that they say are wrong and only two are. Right. And so, uh, but um, we're, we're, clo- we're still closing complaints at a rate faster than ever, and that means we're getting them to resolve before it has to go to court and things like that. It's really, really pretty exciting that way. So, well, that's with, with what the team is doing. So, well, right now at this time of year, uh, we're going to probably we we have the we have the possibility of seeing some storm chasers come through. <laughs> yes, we uh, do. What what should homeowners, you know, the monsoon comes through, um, right. so lose some roof shingles or maybe a tree falls on the edge of the right. uh, eave, a little damage. Uh, what would you have the homeowners well, um, be aware of? You know, I'm, I'm trying to get something to correlate. One, don't... <laughs> Don't uh, take some time. Think about it. If someone knocks on your door and said, hey, I was in the neighborhood. I've got an extra 40 square of shingles. It looks like you need your roof done. That's probably not true. Uh, uh, take your time. It, look, when, when you have damage on your house, you know, when you got leaks, it's, an ur- it's urgent, right? But we all know there's not enough contractors to do like in October of 2010. Yeah, we have 150, there's, there's not 150,000 contractors that can be in your house tomorrow. So when you have that stuff, do whatever you can to mitigate further damage. Find a licensed contractor that's properly licensed to do the work you're doing, right? Check with the registrar contractors to make sure they're okay, and check it's with some easy. friends. Your website makes yeah, it so easy. easy. And and if it and if there's questions still, you can call because we answer phones there, um, and uh, and we get back to you, and and do that because um, here's and we've heard all these horror stories. Wind damage from the monsoon, your roof's leaking, 
Some guy comes up and goes, hey, I'll fix your roof. Sign, you know, your insurance guys are running all over the place. Right. No out of pocket. Stuff, I you know, did. all that we'll stuff. Do. You write the check. You sign the check over to me and they get back in their shiny dually and they drive back to Oklahoma. Not or maybe Texas. or <laughs> So it's uh, I like Oklahoma. So I've got friends from Oklahoma. But but that's and they go back there and you never see it again. And here's what happens. Your insurance company has already paid their duty. They've already given you your check to fix this thing. Now you're out. You know, it's a, whatever the price is, you right. know, 15, 20 thousand dollars, depending on the roof. And you've given that to somebody and you still have to fix your roof to make your house insurable. Your insurance company may cancel you. If you've got a mortgage, you don't have insurance, you could be in some serious trouble. Now, I'm not an insurance agent. I'm not an attorney. But those are things to consider. Personally, if someone knocks on my door and tells me they want to remodel my house or, or do all sorts of stuff, I'm going to go, hmm. No one's call, No one's knocking on yeah. my door and saying, hey, it looks like you need new car tires. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just gave me an idea. <laughs> there you go. Or, or do you need a few cockroaches in your house for $20 yeah. a pop? Um, you know what I always say? I'm like, oh, thank you. I'll, I'll tell the landlord. Right. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I don't want uh, your listeners to think I'm being flippant about this. I, I'm not. Uh you know, when you have your homes damaged, uh, it's serious stuff. Do whatever you can personally to mitigate this, whether you get tarps on it or something uh, to keep the to keep the leaks coming in. But please do not hire somebody that knocked on the door, offers you something, says no deductible. Because my understanding is you got to pay a deductible. That's the law. And again, I'm not an attorney, so right, right. Hear, you'll have some attorneys calling in here. But all those kind of things, oh, this is going to be this, just give me the check. It's um, it's a little troublesome to me. And I'd like reason. to catch the ear of the homeowners. If you do have a leak, know this. There's a science to tarping a roof. Yes. And if, if you have some experienced, someone experienced in tarping a roof, there, there are still tarped roofs. In Lake Charles, Louisiana, sure. from Hurricane Ida, sure. that was last summer. Right. Uh, you can buy a lot of time with a tarp properly installed. There's a science to right. it. But it doesn't need to be as urgent as some people may be making you think it is. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Don't, it's, don't jump. It's, it's sad. Some of the things we've seen are just really sad. They and really are. some of the tricky things that they say, you know, someone will come in and um, they'll rent a license number. <laughs> and they'll, and, and. You, by the way, you can't do that. I, it's, it, I, I it's understand illegal, that. It's illegal. So. And, and if they do, who, who pursues them? Well, if they're well, caught doing that, well, if we get a, if we get a complaint, we investigate every complaint, uh, and it depends on what it could arise. It could rise to being turned over to prosecutors. So the registrar doesn't prosecute. We're right. a law enforcement agency. We're an administrative agency. So uh, if it's determined that uh, contractor A let this other guy that's not a W two employee use his license, that contractor A is aiding and abetting contract. Uh, unlicensed entity B is an unlicensed entity, and all those ho all those interesting things under Title Thirty Two, uh, Chapter Ten. You know, all of uh, all of those things can uh, 
can come to play under 3211.54, all those statutes, the people that like to read statutes. Yeah, right. Um, so here's an interesting thing. In Arizona, if you do work that requires a license and you don't have a license, you have no standing in court to sue for money owes under Title 3211.53. Interesting. Unlicensed guys, pay attention to that one. You have no right to recover. Yeah, there's no standing in court. No. 32-1153. Um, just, so homeowners, just it's why we have told you for years in searching for the right service provider at your house, first and foremost in Arizona, make sure they've got an active, current Register of Contractors license number. Very easy to check right. at the website. Yes. It's got a search feature there. Right. Plug in the company name. Right. It'll show you who the license holder is, whether it's current, are there any issues with that particular license? Right. It will, yeah, it'll, it'll show, um, you'll get a, a name. If the name is kind of similar to others, you'll see a, a list of names and it'll have a, a green bar on, on their name that says active or they might say inactive or it might say expired. And you click that that those things and you see some additional stuff like people named on the license. One thing a lot of people don't understand is a qualifying party doesn't necessarily own the company. Also, the employees of the company don't have to be licensed, but they do have to be W-2 employees. And uh, that is always a kind of an interesting thing with guys paying people cash. So, and, and then you've got the issue, kind of what we talk about in today's article, about the third-party lead <laughs> farmer, harvester, uh, where you pay a third party to go out and knock on doors and just get names of people that want to talk about doing solar. Right. Yes, and that's, you know, there's or in, anything, in, in Arizona, that's, that's fully legal. So oftentimes, um, and, and I know personally, I found guys that have come to my door uh, that when I answer, uh, I answer because I want to say, what's your license number? And they don't have a clue what it is, uh, but they don't necessarily need to. Uh, but if somebody can't answer your questions completely, why do business with them? Uh, and secondly, you don't have to answer the door. Amen. Right. That's that's my position right. for sure. So unless it's cookies, the, unless it's the cookies. Uh, director of the Register of Contractors, you as an Arizona homeowner are very fortunate that, that we have this agency as an umbrella protection for you, the homeowner. And Jeff Lee, you've been in there what now six? Uh, um, it'll be uh, it's seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. So it'll be be eight years at the end of the year. So that's something I have well, I don't have as much hair as I did. Now. I was noticing that at the barber the other day. That shiny spot. Well, we always appreciate And you know what you I don't get in. about that? It doesn't cost less for the haircut. It still costs the same. It does, right. I don't get that. Well, I, got, I just figured it's a tracking device. <laughs> if somebody... If I'm ever lost in the woods, people can see this shiny spot with their flashlight. Well, we appreciate you always coming in and giving us a little update. We might ask you to hang on through the break a minute sure. and get, wrap all this up with a summary of warnings to homeowners. Before you sign on the dotted line, let the Register of Contractors give you a few words of wisdom. Um, you've had the idea for a long time that 
we would sell subscriptions to homeowners that they could listen to our conversation off air in the break. Uh, <laughs> the last off-air segment we just had would be one everyone would want to tune in on, that's for sure. <laughs> We're here with the director of the Register of Contractors, Mr. Jeff Fleetham. Uh, Jeff, what what are you seeing right now from homeowners that, that has you or, or your department concerned? Well, uh, f- firstly... Uh, uh, you know, so, some of the things we talked about, uh, you know, people coming and collecting money and running off or unlicensed entities doing some things. Uh, but some of the things we're seeing and, and again, th- some of these things we don't we don't have jurisdiction over. We see them and they and they uh, uh, they cause us to take if a homeowner signs a contract with right. a licensed contractor. Mm-hmm. Right. Then then they should they should know what it says and they should expect. And if there's any questions, any questions whatsoever, they should stop and ask before they sign on the dotted line. They should know that an estimate is not a contract. They should know that an insurance claim report is not an estimate from a contractor, nor is it a contract. So a contract is what the person is going to do. And once it's going to sign and then you sign it and you have some, you know, I, I can't remember if it's. 20, 48 hours or 33 days, or I can't remember what that whole thing is. Yeah, but three days. What I wanted to mention is this is something that was uh, came up. Uh, it's coming up more fr- more frequently than I would like to. Where okay. Some of the what uh, do you see it? Some of the uh, savings that some of these uh, some of these folks believe they're going to get when they get uh, when they get some of these installations, uh, some of these solar installations, and it's clearly from people probably from you know organizations trying to kind of skirt uh, skirt, but we're seeing. Um, uh, we're seeing some. Uh, we've got some concerns on what the what the consumer thought they were going to get versus what the end result is. Well, what you the, can manipulate those projections a hundred different ways. You can. <laughs> and what's interesting is uh, I'm going to read. Uh, pardon me. I'm going to read from statute. Okay. Uh, 44-1763 distributed energy generation agreements and disclosures exceptions. Under number four, it says, provide a description which must be separately acknowledged by the buyer or leasee, including the make and model of the distributed energy system's major components, or, or, a guarantee concerning energy production output that the distributed energy generation system being sold or leased will provide over the life of the agreement. The or almost always means that that stuff on the right side of the or is right. never included. Uh-huh. And if you're if you're if you're really wanting to make an informed decision, you can you can make a decision on how your contract is written with these people with anybody you're doing business whether it's whether it's this or whether it's something else. You can make that decision. And I and I caution and I caution you to be diligent about these. Some of these contracts are Tens of thousands of dollars over the course of the yeah. over the course, you know. And I'd like to know whose lifetime, by the way, on lifetime guarantees. Director Fleetham, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Bye. you, thank you, guys. You-